In this episode of The Peak's Life, we're talking all things food intolerance. And did you know that food intolerances can stop you losing weight, can cause you significant fatigue amongst many other symptoms? So if you're on the keto lifestyle or you've just jumped into keto and you're having difficulty with your progress, it could be food intolerances. So stay tuned. We'll tell you all about them, how to identify them and how to fix them. This is The Peak's Audio Experience. Welcome back to The Peaks Life, where we give you little bite-sized chunks of wellness wisdom to power you through your day. My name is Mike Warren, and this is Lynn Fernie. Thank you for joining us today. Now, today we're talking about allergies and intolerances to food. Mm. And the reason why it's quite important is because we have a lot of people who transition to keto, mm. and they just don't get the results that they deserve or they expect. And a lot of it could be hidden in the intolerances or the allergies to foods. 100%. So we need to need to iron that out, give some people some good tips and make sure that they get the results they deserve. Yeah, and let me just drill into that a mm. little bit. So it, it's very true. You think about when you're starting on any new way of eating, it doesn't matter whether it's keto, whether you've become a vegan, um, whether you've gone from vegan to eating meat, it really doesn't matter what sort of transition you make, but you are basically you know, going from that old style of eating, the old type of foods, you're getting rid of those and you're introducing a whole range of new foods. Absolutely. And first of all, the body's got to get used to those new mm. foods. So, you know, all the, um, you know, the microbiome in your gut, the bacteria in your gut, they've got to get used to it. The, some of the bacteria go because they're not needed anymore and you've yes. got to develop new ones. Mm. So we know that during that first 30 or even 90 days, there are all sorts of symptoms that come and go. Mm. You know, people will experience hair loss, they'll get joint pains, mm. um, they get bloating, uh, they have problems going to the toilet, they might, you know, they might have constipation, they might have diarrhea, um, they get headaches, they get fatigued. Some people put on weight. And some of those symptoms are purely the transition that they're going through. Yes. They're getting rid of old foods, they're bringing new foods in, and the body is transitioning. It's getting rid of all the toxins. Mm. It's, you know, so it's really having a big detox, mm. it's having a big cleanse. And with keto, you're actually changing your fuel source. So it is a, it's a massive change. It's not just some new foods. That's it. It's completely changing the type of fuel you put in your body and running your body on ketones rather than glucose. That's it. So it's you a know, big change. You've got this huge change mm. going on. And so a lot of those symptoms for many people are simply that. They're just transition symptoms. Yes. And that can go on, as I said, for one month, two months, three months. But there are times when those symptoms continue. Mm. So they persist, they don't get better, they don't resolve themselves. And people say, I'm still getting hair loss after six months. Yes. Or I'm still getting real bloating after a mm. year. Or I've lived for a year and a half with this horrible joint pain, mm. um, all these persistent headaches. And so there are people who have got a lot of symptoms and they may or may not be achieving their goals with keto. So they may be getting weight loss, but they've got a whole bunch of symptoms. They may have a lot of energy, but they're getting bloating. So they've got this real dilemma because mm. on the one hand, it seems to be working for them. Yes. And on the other hand, things don't feel quite right. Yeah. And it's, it is, for a lot of people, it's quite um, mentally challenging, isn't it? Because they put a lot of effort into transitioning to keto, doing the macros, measuring the ketones, doing all the right things and putting their heart and soul mm. into transitioning and to not get the results they expected 
and even to go backwards in some cases, this can be quite disheartening and it really, you know, really upsets a lot of people. 100%. And, mm. you know, there are extremes in this as well. There are people who get onto the keto way of eating and the symptoms are so bad. Yes. They realise that after a week it's not just keto flu, mm. it isn't just that transition. And so they, they end up off keto. And that's a real shame because it, it could have worked for them, but perhaps they've got a symptom in there due to a food intolerance that they don't know about. Yes. And then they give up this whole new way of eating that could have solved. Mm. all the problems that they had or achieve the things that they wanted. Absolutely. So I think it's worth just having a real look at you know food intolerances and thinking about could you have a food intolerance and if you do what, what do you do about it? Mm, absolutely and it, it's not we're not talking a small percentage of the population we're talking a large percentage of the population mm. have food intolerances so it could be you, it, you know, we, we are talking about uh, 45% in fact we're talking about 45% of the population have intolerances so we're talking about one in every two people who go on to keto potentially could have a food intolerance and that could upset their mm. results. Exactly mm. right. You know, so think about that. One in two people could have a food intolerance to one or more foods. Mm. That's a lot of intolerance. That's a lot of symptoms. And I'm pretty intolerant. intolerant. <laughs> you are. You are indeed. So, but before we get into the intolerances, let's just talk about allergies. Yes, for it's a very important. Aren't so it's important not to confuse an intolerance and an allergy. So let's just run through right. what we would see with an allergy first. Mm. Now, typically, an allergy is something that you've had from childhood. Right. So you're going to know about this. Um, it only, re you know, true allergies only affect two percent of the population. Okay, it's a very small amount. Very small amount. The reactions are usually pretty severe. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about things like celiac disease, or we're talking about significant gluten allergies, um, peanut allergies. The sort of thing where you know you can actually go into anaphylactic shock yes. and end up in hospital yeah. because the the reaction is actually life-threatening mm. in some cases. So you usually get that reaction within about two hours of eating the food. And it's quite dramatic, isn't it? And it is. It's not always, but it's usually yes. very, it's very dramatic. Obvious. And it can affect. It can either be the skin. So a typical symptom is what we would call hives. Yes. So you get one of those progressive rashes that can be quite frightening. They, you know, they can progress <laughs> from you know from one part of the body to another, and they can develop super fast. Mm. Um, could be the digestion. So you get major diarrhoea very very quickly, or it could be the respiratory system. So you know that anaphylactic shock. You feel the throat closing up. Mm. You struggle to breathe. And before you know it, you're in an ambulance on your way to, to emergency because you actually can't get air into the body mm. because the body has gone into this big protection mode and it's triggered the immune system and the immune system is just working incredibly hard, overactive and trying to get rid of whatever it's whatever you've got into your body that it doesn't like. So what type of <coughs> what type of foods or products would trigger an allergy? So the most common, and there, there are lots out there, but the most common that we see would be peanuts. That's the classic. Classic, yes. Um, and associated with peanuts would be tree nuts. So peanuts okay. are a legume. Um, tree nuts, you know, as, as it says, they're, they're nuts that grow on trees. So a lot of children now are developing nut allergies, mm. so it's a concern. But also things like milk. Lots of people have lactose intolerance or casein, mm. um, sorry, allergies, casein or lactose allergies. And then we've got uh, shellfish. Of course, yes. Shellfish is the classic one that you know you see the people that eat the oyster or the mussels or whatever it is, and um, before you know it, they're <coughs> in the bathroom yep, vomiting. Absolutely, yes. And then the last one that's very common is eggs. That many people mm. don't digest eggs well, and they've got a, an allergy to the egg or the the egg white mm. or the egg yolk. <coughs> so um, those are the common yes. common allergies. 
Likely, if you've got an allergy, you probably already know about it. Of course. Something that you've had from childhood. Um, it's always caused a reaction. So I think, Mike, you're, you have an allergy to... To um, housework. Yeah. Uh, housework, <laughs> cooking, domestic duties, domestic. cooking. Yeah. <laughs> I have lots of allergies. But things like milk, lactose. Yes, I have a lactose, so lactose. allergy. Well, and, so, and if, I, if I do have yeah. milk, I do get the break out of the skin. Yep. And I do get uh, instant problems with my digestion. So yes, I am in the 2% yep. who do not like milk, or milk does not like me. And so, I, but I've, I've known that for years. So I've steered clear of that, and I have a dairy-free diet. That's it. So you've always had that, right? Yes. Right from childhood, mm. you've always had that milk issue. Yes. And so it's easy. It's the one food, and that's the other characteristic of allergies. It's usually a single food mm. that causes the problem. And if you can avoid it, remove it from the diet, usually you're okay. Which is interesting because I, I can't tolerate milk, but cheese, love cheese. Butter, I can have everything around milk, mm. but I can't have milk itself. That's it. Yeah. So, and again, it's not the milk per se, it's usually the lactose or the mm. casein in the milk that's going to cause that problem. Something dodgy in there. That's it. All right, so that's 2%, and the allergies most people would know. So let's move on to the intolerances. This is where one in every two people who are tuning in potentially mm. could have an allergy, and potentially that could impact their results and the way they're progressing with keto. Exactly right. Yeah. And you know the reason, as I said, why you may not have realised these intolerances in the yes. past is you may have introduced new foods. Mm. So things that you didn't historically eat, you know, didn't traditionally eat, you've put them into your diet because people are saying that they're really healthy and they're great things to eat on the keto lifestyle. Absolutely. So you've introduced all <coughs> these new foods and one of them may just be causing you an intolerance. Mm. So don't be surprised about this. The other thing is that these intolerances, they're not necessarily from childhood. Right. Right. So these can develop at any point in time. Yes. There are lots of reasons. There are lots of causes. You could have, for example, had a course of antibiotics okay. that has left your um, stomach in a, a little bit of a damaged condition. You've lost a lot of your good bacteria. And so you're a bit more vulnerable. Um, you may have had some gut damage from yes. the wheat and the gluten that you've been eating, and that's causing a problem. You may have gone to a new place. Like mm. I said, you may have had a food that you've not had before. You may have had a reaction to something. You may be immune compromised. So there's lots of reasons why at any point in time, all of a sudden you can develop a reaction and it could be a new food, but it also, as I said, it could be a reaction to a food you've always mm. had, you've enjoyed, and you've been fine with it. Mm. But just because of a change in conditions in your body, somehow, somewhere, all of a sudden you've become intolerant. So it is really common, really common, guys, to become intolerant at any point in time. So mm. just because you've eaten a food for years yes. doesn't mean that it's good for you. It doesn't mean to say it's okay for you. You may suddenly have become intolerant. So watch out for that. Mm. It's really important because a lot of people do have the excuse, I've always eaten this, I've always mm. eaten, so it's okay. We couldn't possibly be that. But as you're saying, at any time there could be a trigger and it could be intolerance. We need, to, we need to literally start from the beginning and make sure every food in the keto diet we don't have an intolerance to. Exactly right. And I'm going to give you a story now. This, the story is um, it's from myself and it's a food that I've always eaten um, and it's avocados. And I can still eat them, which is exciting. <laughs> That's it. So you get all oh the apples. God. I don't, <laughs> not I don't touch them. No. Um, but it, what happened to me was I've eaten avocados for years. I love avocados. They're such a healthy source of fat. And they're great in your, you know, your salads, wonderful to put with your main meals. And you know, you've got that nice, their lovely colour, beautiful flavour, that really good consistency. So brilliant in smoothies. You can make sorbet from them. Um, you can do all sorts of that. You can fill them. You can heat them. You can 
you know, you can fry them in your air fryer. So they're just a really versatile um, fruit. And so I used to have a lot of avocado in my diet. And there was a point a couple of months ago when I was merrily having my avocados, and it was a time when they were really ripe. So very ripe, that beautiful, soft way, delicious shepherd avocados. And we found this really yummy recipe for mm. avocado zorbe. And Great recipe. Super yes. easy, so a quick diversion. Super easy, avocados, ice, fresh mint, lemon juice, lime juice. A fresh lemon, fresh lime. Put them all together, blend them. Just a quick stick blender, blend them up, and you'll get a nice icy zorbe. Brilliant between courses. Excellent as a little sort of starter just to clear the palate and yummy as a dessert with some nuts on as well. Mm. So fabulous recipe. So we found this new recipe and we were hooked. And so we, we'd had it every day one week and you know I decided in my wisdom that I had these delicious avocados, I had a really big avocado, I would make myself a sorbet with a whole avocado because they were so delicious. And I would just have that for my lunch. So I made it up one day and almost instantly and I'd been having a, a bit of a, a problem with my gut all week. I'd been having a bit of bloating and gas. Almost instantly, my tummy just swelled up like, you know, like a balloon. And I felt really uncomfortable for the rest of the day. But I didn't, I didn't really um, work out it was the avocado. So again, that evening, had my meal, had some nice meat, some vegetables, and I put some avocado with it. And again, the pain in my stomach was unreal. And so I went through a process, looked at all my foods, and eventually got to the point where I found it was the avocado. And when I looked at avocado and what it has in it, it's got a sugar alcohol in it. And it's the same sugar alcohol, or very similar sugar alcohol, to maltitol and um, things like erythritol, which are artificial sweeteners. And I don't do well with artificial sweeteners, but I'd never made the connection to avocado having this sugar alcohol in it. When I went and did my research, found out, lo and behold, there it was, it is actually one of the potential triggers for intolerances. Mm. So all of a sudden I found that after years and years of eating avocado, I now can't tolerate big quantities. I can have a bit, but I can't tolerate a lot. And I know you're all sad for Lynn, but the good news is I get all the avocados. You get double. I you get, get double, double avocados and I can live around avocados and Lynn won't touch them, which is exciting. So really important to remember with uh, these intolerances is that they can take three days wow, okay. to even show up in the system. Yes, yes. So it's not a case that you eat the food and then you're immediately going to get the reactions. Mm. It could be the next day, the next day, or like I said, it could be really up to 72 hours before you actually start to see it. And sometimes you don't react to a small quantity. So you might have a, a, you know, just a bit of that food. So I had eaten avocados for years, um, but typically I only eat quite a small amount. Yes. So a small amount is fine, but when I had a really big amount, it just kind of overloaded my system, I guess. And then I saw the reaction and it became cumulative. The more I ate, the worse I got. So it's not a case that you'll see it straight away. And as I said, it may not be. Um, you may not see it with the small quantities. Mm. It may need to be a big quantity of a certain food, um, or it may be a cumulative effect. And that's what makes them really difficult to pinpoint. Isn't it? pinpoint, to pinpoint. Which one, yeah. it is. So you talked about your, your story. Mm. Give us some examples of the types of responses, the types of symptoms that people would get with a food intolerance. Mm. And you know, the, the symptoms can be really wide ranging yes. with a food intolerance. So I talked about bloating, and I think stomach problems are the ones that we think about when we talk about and think about intolerances, because we, we get, you know, 
we understand that you might eat something and it causes gas in your stomach, yes. so you get bloating. Um, and that will in itself cause you know, those uncomfortable, painful feelings. You might get the IBS, so you might swing between diarrhea and constipation. Um, you might have IBS, you know, constipation type of IBS or the, the diarrhea type. Um, so you may just get some general discomfort. Generally, your tummy doesn't feel good. Yes. And I think it, you know, for most people that makes sense because you eat some food, it goes down into your stomach, and if you're going to have problems, that's where so most people yep, expect absolutely. to have problems. But in addition to that, you can also get, for example, joint pain. Wow, okay. Yeah, so you, we see people who have problems with their knees. You know, they say, I've really got sore knees or sore hips. And you would never imagine no. it's the food that they've eaten that's causing sore hips or sore knees. Okay. So joint pain can be from a food intolerance. Right. Can also be things like um, just general tiredness, fatigue. And again, it's very difficult to track tiredness mm. because life goes up and down, sleep goes up and down, you know, the amount of exercise we do goes up and down. Days you might feel tired, days you might feel full of energy, but there may be a pattern to your tiredness associated with the foods that you're eating. So I, I think that tiredness is often overlooked as a symptom. And it's also one of those symptoms that a lot of people transitioning to keto mm. have tiredness, have fatigue. So it's, it's you know, to pinpoint whether it's the keto transition 100%. or whether it's the food intolerance. So it becomes a bit, a bit challenging, doesn't 100%. it? 100%. It's exactly right. You know, you're in, you've gone on to keto, you've heard about the keto flu, you've got a bit of keto flu. It never quite leaves. You're mm. always left with that fatigue, that tiredness. You keep drinking, you keep taking your salt, but it never quite goes. Yes. And the other one associated with that is headaches. Ah, Again, okay. you know, that persistent nagging headache that never quite goes away. Mm. We hear a lot of people say that I go through the first two weeks, had these horrendous headaches or migraines and they just never resolve they never get better and usually that stops them they mm -hmm. stop with the keto lifestyle because they think it doesn't work for them yep. and it probably does if you can find that one or two foods that are causing the headaches mm. um, and then there's a couple of others one is low mood so again, people don't associate the, you know, the low mood, the slightly depressive, anxious type of symptoms with foods. But if we think about it, we know caffeine, for example, gives people the jitters and makes people anxious. Yes. Well, there are lots of foods that can cause just a general low mood because it's, it's changing the hormones in the body. It's changing those chemicals and those neurotransmitters and causing that slight down feeling. Mm. The last one is probably the real shocker for most people. Mm. Intolerances can cause weight gain. Which is, for a lot of people, that's a big concern, isn't it? It's a huge concern. So, you know, imagine this, you've got onto the keto diet, you're doing this amazing thing for yourself, you've got a lot of weight to lose, you've counted your macros, you've done all that properly, you've gone through the, the keto flu, you maybe lost a bit of water in the first few days, so you might have lost two to four pounds or one to two kilos, and it's all going really well. But then you start to gain weight. You haven't got any other symptoms, but you're gaining weight. And lots of people come to us with a real panic around this. How can I be losing, how can I be gaining weight? I've done all the right things. I've got my calorie count down. I've got my macros right. I'm eating plenty of fat. I'm yep. eating whole foods. And they really are doing everything right. But one single food intolerance is causing weight gain and sometimes quite significant mm -hmm. weight gain. And the reason that you're not putting on fat, it's not that you're necessarily gaining fat, it's probably inflammation in the body. 
and that inflammation and the water and all those things that are then being retained are actually causing your um, your your weight wow. to go up and you're seeing the scales increasing mm. daily and sometimes dramatically yes sometimes dramatically overnight so some of the symptoms really can be confusing absolutely yeah. and they can be confused with just that transition and that's I think that's the problem I mean if we if if we take a step back and look at it, at the moment we've got a bunch of people tuning in who are either in keto or transitioning into keto. Mm. A lot of them have gone through the keto transition syndrome where they, they there's some of those symptoms that are very similar mm. to food intolerances. They're all doing the right thing. They're all investing a huge amount of time and effort and energy in getting the thing right. Yeah. Um, but one in every two of them potentially could have a food intolerance they may not be aware of that could be holding them back from getting the results they deserve. Exactly so it's right. really important. All right, Lynn, so we now understand the problem. So can you just walk us through what foods potentially we could be intolerant to? Give mm -hmm. us a list so we're all kind of aware of what to look out for when we're playing food detective. For sure. And you really do have to be a bit of a detective on this yes, one. Yes. Um, so we've got some pretty obvious candidates, and they're the same ones that cause the allergies. Yes. So we've got the, um, the milk, so the casein and the, the lactose in milk. And there are lots of people we know who are basically intolerant to, to lactose and casein. We've also got the, the wheat and the gluten. They are very, very common intolerances, and they're becoming more common because the wheat and gluten that we have now, or the wheat at least, is very different to the wheat that we had 100 years ago or even 1,000 years ago. It's bred for different properties, and so we're seeing more and more intolerances to wheat and gluten. So those are two common ones. Still get the things like the eggs, um, you know, the, um, the shellfish, the nuts, the peanuts, but also things like um, fruit and vegetables. Yes, which is where your avocado sits. That's it, so fruit, the avocado, mm -hmm. that was my issue. Um, but maybe a vegetable, there may be vegetables you've never eaten before. Yes. You suddenly introduce lots of green leafy vegetables, mm. whereas before you ate carrots and you know Chips. sweet potatoes and those <laughs> sort of things, and all of a sudden you've got these green leafy veggies yes. and you're intolerant to them. And a bit of a hidden one with the vegetables, it may not be the vegetable itself, it could be what it's sprayed with. So, you know, we know that our crops are sprayed with pesticides and all sorts of chemicals. Now, it could be any one of those chemical additives, which is why we would always promote to go organic, go local, go biodynamic, go sustainable. Sounds, sounds really hard work, um, and it can be, but just be aware that if you're buying the regular supermarket produce, it could have been sprayed with anything and it might be that chemical you're reacting to, mm. not the fruit or the vegetables. Interesting. So that's a bit of a hidden one, a bit of a tricky one to find. Mm. There can also be, there are certain things that trigger responses in the body. So certain foods trigger a histamine response in the body. Right. And that includes mushrooms. So, okay. you know, we, we, everybody eats mushrooms, right? We love our mushrooms. We do. You know, bacon, eggs and mushrooms and filled mushrooms, portobello mushrooms. Great versatile food and keto friendly, but they, they can cause some people an issue with histamine. The same as can um, uh, bone broth. So again, keto lifestyle, we love our bone broth. We do. Brilliant way to get gelatin and collagen into the body. Wonderful for the hair, skin and nails. But again, it can trigger a histamine response. So these, these foods have high levels of histamine. Some people don't tolerate high levels of histamine and they get a reaction when they consume a lot of mushrooms or bone broth. And there are some other foods. If you want to know more about histamine, go and just Google histamine and, and the foods that contain high levels of histamine because it, it could be the histamine itself. And then the last category, I guess, is all of the additives. 
I've mentioned things like pesticides, yes. but we've also got <coughs> all of those chemicals that get added to our food when we buy the processed food. So you go down to the supermarket and you buy the, you know, the deli meats. And the deli meats contain lots of nasties like sodium nitrate. And we know that that causes reactions in the body. Um, we've got all of the sweeteners. So we've got a whole episode on artificial sweeteners. They're chemicals that cause all manner of symptoms from digestive upset through to far, far worse health issues. So chemicals like sweeteners, additives that are put in to give us more taste, more flavor, so flavorings. Could be, um, could be the ones that are put in to, to give color, could be a natural or an artificial color. Could be preservatives, could be fillers, could just be things that um, are like, you know, going to allow the food to thicken, so thickeners. So it can be all sorts of different artificial additives put in your food, or even natural additives. Could even be something like a spice or a seasoning mm. that you've never had before and you react to it. So some people react to things like cayenne pepper, which gets added to dishes. So a lot of those processed foods or foods that you eat out could easily be culprits here because they've got things hidden that you're not aware of. So there is a huge range of potential intolerances in mm. there. So what do we do? We've, we've transition to keto we're not getting the results we deserve mm. and we want to look at what's is if there's a potential intolerance what's the steps to find the intolerance and then fix it so this is one it's really worth spending some time on so if you're at that point you've got some symptoms you're even thinking about you know giving up keto don't do it don't do it spend a bit of time on this because it's really really worth it mm. And you know, if you do this right, you probably can track those symptoms and find the culprit. So the way to do it is to start by keeping a food log. So food log, really simple, just write down everything you eat and what time you eat it. And you do want to go into some detail, especially if it's a packaged or processed food, because it might have those additives in there. So you don't have to write down every ingredient, but at least know what it was. Yes. Then write down your symptoms. So again, track your symptoms. I felt bloated at 11 o'clock. It lasted for two hours. I had diarrhea for three days starting at 7 p.m. on Wednesday. Really write it down in that level of detail because the next step is that you're going to now look for the patterns. So you're going to interrogate your food diary, your symptom log, and you're looking for those patterns that every day at a certain time you got a certain symptom. So every day at 7 p.m. I got bloated. And every day at 2 p.m. I had a cup of bone broth. Could be a link. So you're looking for those links. You're looking for those patterns. You're looking for the trends. Um, on a, you know, a Friday, I typically treat myself to a couple of fat bombs um, in the afternoon with my afternoon tea. And then you find on Saturday, you're suffering bloating. So you're looking for the connection between mm. different foods mm. and symptoms. So that might take you a bit of time to work out. It's worthwhile, isn't it? But it's worthwhile. So track your food for a couple of yeah. weeks or maybe a month. Yeah. And once you've done that, you should be able to identify some suspects. So it's like a crime movie. Suspects. You're looking at the suspect foods. Don't just look for one. It's likely to be more than one. So you're looking for a couple of foods or even a few food groups. Try and work out your safe foods, the ones that you're convinced don't, don't affect you, and the ones that are the suspect intolerance. Right. And then when you've got those, we're going to take the next steps. And now what we're going to do is we're going to eliminate 
all of the suspect foods. So this is an elimination diet. We're still going to stick with our keto way of eating, but we're going to bring our eating down to four or five foods. So let's say we know we're okay with beef and with pork, we're okay with butter and with olive oil, and we're fine with broccoli. That's our five foods. And we're going to try and make our diet with those five foods and nothing else. And what that's going to do is it's going to, it's going to allow us to see if our symptoms resolve. Now you're going to give yourself two weeks. And why, why two weeks? So two weeks on those five foods. The reason for two weeks is first of all, remember we said these food intolerances oh, after three days. can take three days. Yes, yes, of course. So we need three days for all of those symptoms to actually appear. Mm. And then we need a bit of time for that, those foods to clear the system, yes. for that inflammation, all those problems to resolve, and the body needs to reset itself. Yep. So really we're talking about two weeks for that to happen. So give it two weeks, don't be tempted to do any less because you're not going to do yourself any favours. But what you should find is if food intolerances are your problem, then within that two week period, all of those symptoms will have resolved. Right. So if you had bloating, it should have gone down. If you had diarrhea, it should have cleared up. Um, if you're having skin issues, you should see an improvement. Um, if perhaps you've been feeling a bit down, you should see your mood pick up a bit. So I would expect in that two weeks for your symptoms to have resolved, if not 100%, a good 80%. So that you can definitely say, yes, my symptoms were a result of food intolerances. You can also then say, yes, for sure, these five foods, they are yes. definitely safe. So you've got a new baseline of these foods work for me, these foods won't give me symptoms, and then I presume you're going to reintroduce the foods. We will. So, so the other thing we've done, remember, is we've reinforced the fact that the keto way of eating works. Because mm. we've used our five foods in the keto style of eating. Yes. So we've still got our macros where we've got high fats, moderate protein, and low carbohydrates. So now you know keto does work for you. You've probably seen the scales drop a bit. Your weight gain has stopped and your weight loss has started. So keto's working, you've got five safe foods, and now you're right, Mike, it's time to reintroduce. But you've got to do this slowly. So you're going to go for a food a time, and you're going to reintroduce it, and you're going to watch for three days. Okay. Now, if in three days you've had no symptoms, you can add that Dick. food to your safe list. Yes. You've now got six foods. <laughs> but if you get symptoms, then you can say, right, I now know that food causes me an issue. Okay. Maybe in a big quantity, maybe a small quantity, but it causes you an issue. So put that to one side, no more of that one for now. And then you're going to give yourself a bit of time, again, allow the body to reset. Because remember, if you had the symptom, you've got to let your body get rid of it. That might take you two days or another five days. Yep, yep. Then you can introduce another food, mm. try it again, and then another one. So maybe do one a week or one every two weeks. If you've got five foods, it might take you one to two months, but by the end of that period of time, you know for sure which ones cause you problems. You can then have your safe foods, start reintroducing more variety, and you've got the foods that are problematic. Yes. Now, that's the time to take the final step, which is you can play around with those foods because a little bit might be all right. Mm. It may be just the bigger quantity or having it every day. So now you can play around and, and decide for yourself, well, I'm okay if I eat a quarter of an avocado, but a whole avocado is not good. Yeah. Or I'm okay with a half an avocado every third day. 
any more than that and I get a problem. So you can start to develop your own guidelines for how much and you eat, uh, how much and when mm. you can eat those foods. And that means you're not having to be so restrictive with your diet. Yes. Because otherwise you become very restricted and very, very concerned and you start to put stress on yourself. This way, what we're going to do is just reintroduce foods one at a time, figure out how much of each one we can have, and then hopefully have that balanced mm. diet again. Now, it does sound quite onerous, the, the diet diary, the introducing foods, the, the whole process, but if we go back to the basics, mm. essentially there are people out there and probably tuning in who are struggling with the transition or struggling with getting the results they deserve on keto. Mm. And we know one in every two potentially has intolerances. Mm. So this is a, a little bit of work to yes. go through a process to eliminate those potential food intolerances. Mm. And it's for life. It's, you know, it's, it's something once you, like you now know, mm. that avocados are not your friend in large quantities. Mm. And you now know to avoid those. And since you've done that, you've had significant changes. I feel great. Yes, so and it's worth the effort. It's worth the effort. You deserve the results. And as you said, it is a long game, it is for life. Mm. So therefore taking two months to really investigate this for, you know, for something that's then going to benefit you for the rest of your life, which might be the, the next 50 years, well, isn't that worth two months? Mm. I think it is. Absolutely, so fascinating information and a fascinating subject. Thank you for joining us on The Peaks Life. We'll see you again very soon. Hey guys, thanks for joining us on The Peaks Audio Experience. Make sure you've subscribed and please share the podcast. And more importantly, don't forget to tell all your friends it's awesome, it's amazing and inspiring. And send us your hot topics to cover on a future episode. For now, have a great Peaks day. (laughs) 